Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hi everyone, I'm Ray Otis and this is Plundergrounds. This is a very special episode. I'm going to record some segments over the next 48 hours. Today is a unique holiday, unique to me, that I am calling Braces Eve. Uh, it is the eve on of the day on which I can take off my arm braces from the accident I had back in mid-December. Uh, as of tomorrow, I can take off these big metal articulated joints that make me look like RoboCop, and which is kind of cool, I'll have to admit, but I won't miss them. Maybe I'll save them in the Halloween box, you know, dress-up box for, for next Halloween. But uh, as of tomorrow, I take off the braces, I can lift up to five pounds, and I will be able to drive again. Whew. Let me tell you, we're breaking both arms at the same time, not a good idea. I, I only got cleared to turn doorknobs two weeks ago. Before that, I had to stand by the door like a dog waiting to be let out uh, for a walk. So... It's It was a major loss of freedom, uh, but it's been a good journey back. I've been proceeding and accelerated at an accelerated pace. I'm way ahead of the curve, according to my therapists, and it's been kind of fun to meet each new challenge. You know, um, the first week it was uh, getting my arm up to my face to push my glasses back up or uh, being able to pull up my sweatpants, which took about two weeks. Uh, push down and pull up my sweatpants, which took about two weeks, which meant that I could go to the bathroom by myself. Um, it, you know, it was it was rough in the beginning, uh, but I have gained each week and learned new tricks and and um, really working hard now to be able to extend my arm fully into a as close to a straight line as possible and then to flex it. Um, uh, to give you an idea where I'm at right now, I can, I, I'll stand and think my arms are hanging straight and then I look in the mirror and they're still, you know, cocked at about a 20 degree, 30 degree angle. Um, but even worse, when I try to bring them into my face, like if I want to put shaving cream on my neck, it's very hard. I'm using fingertips instead of my, um, you know, my whole hand to put shaving cream on my neck. Or if I want to do up the top button on my shirt, it's very difficult. So I'm getting more range there. Um, can't touch my shoulder on, you know, on the same side, for instance, either. And I'm getting more range on turning my wrists uh, so that my palms are flat and palms are um, up to the sky, either one. They're called a supination and pronation. But um, still working on all of those to get them as, as uh, far along as I can get them to kind of establish a, a new normal. I'm pretty happy with where I'm at, though, because I'm fully functional uh, other than straining a little bit to do a few things. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got really everything back I need, uh, to live a, a decent life. <laughs> and, and not that I ever doubted that. Um, in fact, I'm, I've been a little naive about it the whole time. People ask me, were you worried, you know, that you wouldn't be able to do this or do that? And I thought, you know, I've never even, never even occurred to me that I wouldn't be quote unquote normal again. And so, um, I believe that I was still, that I, you know, despite these little metal pieces, which are what, who cares? I mean, people have metal parts put in them all the time. Um, I feel like I'll I'll be uh, um, totally normal, you know, with with some additional aches and pains and a couple scars. But that's what life's about. So uh, I'm rambling. I uh, will get onto gaming topics from here on out, and the audio is probably going to go up and down quite a bit because you're going to be traveling with me over the next 48 hours as I go through this journey of shedding my braces and transforming into a beautiful butterfly. Um, <laughs> 
have this list in uh, my notebook that I carry with me all the time that is potential podcast topics. I'm going to read off that list. If there's anything on it that you'd like to hear me talk about sooner rather than later, um, then shout out to me because some of these topics will never be hit. Some of them will be hit in the coming weeks. Um, some of them are there just to stew for a while. So here they are. Uh, more on zines, which I've been doing. That's item number one. Number two, Into the Odd slash Roadside Picnic. That's uh, from my reading of the game Into the Odd and thinking about the novel Roadside Picnic and how the two really go together. If you don't know Roadside Picnic, you should. It's the basis for the, um, uh, I can't think of the guy's name now, Todorovsky? What's, uh, anyway, the movie is Stalker. Um, so if you know that, you know what I'm talking about. There was actually a role-playing game named Stalker too. that was, a, I believe it was Diceless, kind of an odd little game. Uh, neat to read. I'm not sure it's very playable. Okay, uh, next one, Tome of Adventure Introduction. So Matthew Finch's Tome of Adventure, he has some interesting advice at the beginning. Um, I had some thoughts regarding that, mostly positive. Um, the next one, Eyes Up Gaming, which I think I've talked about before, but the idea of how to promote more interaction at the table and less looking at the character sheet or the miniatures. Uh, BBB Year in, in, in Review, and I've got that marked as post-GaryCon. That is uh, Bruise, Bones, and Blades, my gaming group. Um, that was three and is now four and has been going on for almost a year. So st starting in April of last year, we meet at a, um, a brew pub, um, a craft brewery that actually has gaming rooms in the back and is right next to a gaming shop. In fact, has a communicating door. So super cool. And we meet there every Monday to play games. And we've been enjoying it quite a bit. That's uh, JJ and Angus and Dan, Dan are my gaming buddies there. Uh, Iron Man slash Raishishima 3113. This was a game design that I made a while back about a giant robot that was created for some purpose that's unknown um, at the beginning of the game. And it wakes up in the year 3113, and all the humans are gone. Uh, it roams a mutated, changed Earth, and in search of uh, meaning, what what its what its own programming is about, um, where the people are, that kind of thing. It's a question-based game, and everybody at the table plays the same character. Everybody plays the. Uh, let me rephrase that. They share the same character, so it's not like everybody plays a character and all those characters are the same. Everybody plays the same single character, which is the giant robot. And it's a card-based game, so you use a deck of cards. Um, the Iron Man part of that is a reference to Ted Hughes's book, The Iron Man, which was turned into a cartoon, uh, not very accurately, but a uh, cool cartoon, too. Uh, but I like the book better. So I was going to talk about that at some point. That's a design, excuse me, <clears throat> that's a design that I did um, some years ago, but I think it's still solid. I need to revisit that and put it back out. Okay, next item. Uh, <clears throat> intros to each of the Plunderground zines. So of all the, uh, the zines that I've done, I always do like a, a little bit of introductory fiction blurb. Uh, uh, Spike Pit was kind enough to read the one from Kazarak a while back, and it put me onto this idea that I really should do a quick uh, introduction to each zine so that people know what's in the zine and, um, you know, kind of an ad, let's call it an advertisement, but really more of a mood piece, you know, just to get you uh, acquainted with what's in each of the Plunderground zines. Uh, next item, reading book series in order, slash, uh, or dash, Elric, Pern, Lieber, Liber, I should say, uh, Narnia, 
talking about different book series and uh, that I love and what order I think you should read them in um, and why there's a difference, uh, how that changes your reading experience. Next item, Dungeon World Fighter as Kung Fu Hero. So I really like the fighter book in Dungeon World. Um, I think it's interesting. I'm exploring it right now, but I really want to play it as a, uh, a character whose signature weapon is his fists. <laughs> and there's some neat just some really neat things that would come out of that uh, based on the moves because the moves are kind of written for weapons. I'll give you an example. One of them is to increase the range of your weapon. So maybe if you have a sword, it allows you to uh, maybe throw your sword or, or something like that. Well, how do you increase the range of your fists? And I think that's um, the answer is some kind of force punch, you know, where you like punch the air, but the guy across the room goes flying. So um, I think that would be a neat build. Uh, next item, Gary Con 11. Yes, uh, I am going to Gary Con in about a month, and I plan to um, do some recording there if I can. Uh, next up, <clears throat> the Tripods Trilogy. Uh, if you don't know, this is a young adult series where giant um, uh, alien robotic things, tripods. It's, it's kind of a take on War of the Worlds, but uh, for young adults. And it's, it's in some ways... I love War of the Worlds, by the way. I've read that book, I don't know, probably six or seven times. But the Tripods trilogy uh, departs from that, aside from the, you know, just the surface resemblance. Uh, it's very cool, very cool. I especially like the second book where one of the kids is captured. Uh, no, actually inf infiltrates the alien city as a, as a slave of the aliens. Um, but they're trying to transform the Earth. I, I don't know. I don't want to get off on that because that's that's a topic for another day, obviously. But it's a cool series, and I was thinking about um, how is that gameable, what you'd do with it. Uh, next item. Illusion spells in Dungeons & Dragons suck versus uh, the fantasy trip. See Vision Monster in Fiend Folio. I forget what that's about, but it was a note to myself to check that out. That, um, I have never been happy with the illusion spells in d and I've always wanted to play an illusionist, but they're so ineffectual. They're so easy to dismiss and they don't often do real damage or anything. You know, um, it's just, it's very lame. I think you can do a lot with them in terms of being clever, but it's reliant on the GM to be, um, in, in uh, to be a fan of your character because otherwise they're just going to disbelieve everything or, you know, I don't, it's, uh, again, I don't want to go down that road. This is just a, um, uh, just a, a me introducing the topic, not actually talking about it. Next item, uh, talk to JJ about the Dungeon World BX game. So we've been using the Dungeon World rule sets with a BX module uh, for some number of weeks now, and I want to get JJ's impressions on the kind of things he's had to change or how much work it's been or not been. I, I get the impression it's been fairly easy, actually. Next up, um, MSHAG. M-S-H-A-G, which stands for the Marvel Superhero Adventure Game, um, dash How I Learned to Love a Supers Game. I've never been a superheroes fan, really. Um, in fact, I haven't been much of a comic reader over my life, although I'm, I'm reading a lot of comics right now, and uh, reminding myself what's cool about them. And uh, the same goes true of superhero RPGs. Never been a big fan. Uh, kind of got out of my gaming group in high school because they started playing the TSR, um, was it Phase Rip, the, the Marvel system back then? It just I just wasn't into it. So uh, when Marvel Superhero Adventure Game came out, I had a friend who was into comics at the time, and we picked that up at Gen Con in '98, I think, '97 uh, or '98, up in Wisconsin and started playing it. It's a card-based system that's just super cool. Um, of all the card-based RPGs I've ever played, which aren't very many, this was the only one I really liked. And I've always thought cards were a real 
uh, fruitful place, uh, but the more I try to mess with them, the more I, I find them frustrating to actually deal with as a mechanic. But I, I think Imshag got it right. And Imshag was also uh, very uh, ahead of its time in some of the things. Like it had, I, I didn't get it at the time, but all of the actions are player facing. So um, that's kind of a, a notion you see uh, coming in around, gosh, coming into the hobby in the early, well, late 2000s, let's say. Um, with systems that are have uh, solely player-facing roles. I'm sure they came in before that, but it became popular around then, I think, to have systems with player-facing roles where instead of the monsters um, uh, rolling to attack, you know, that you roll to defend against something or dodge. Sorry, I'm having a lot of trouble with my uh, throat today. Little, little, um, bits of dust or something in it. Well, that's the list. I know I've got another list somewhere else, I think, in Evernote. Um, but... That's the list I've got in my journal. I feel like there should be more items, but there aren't. So if any of those strike your fancy, let me know, because uh, I'd love to talk about any one of these things. Cool. Oh, hey, I found my other list. I'm standing outside waiting on my Lyft driver to pick me up uh, because my wife's still on her walk and I need to get to work earlier than normal. Um, and I can't drive yet. So I found my other list. Uh, here it is. Um, Item number one, playing Plundergrounds with other systems. So taking Dungeon World's modules, but playing it with World of Dungeons uh, or OSR systems or things like Black Hack or Maze Rats. Uh, next item, my gaming history uh, subtitle, does anyone care? Question mark. I've given a little bit of that already, but I really intended to do like a full on episode about it. I think what I'm going to do is just um, do it in little pieces, reveals here and there. Uh, next one, class based carousing. Ooh, we got a lumber delivery coming in here on my street for some reason so it's going to be very noisy uh class-based carousing in dungeon world uh yeah wait for it to go by there uh discussions about the druid carouse move which i saw on, on google plus somebody put one up uh shorthanding downtime but also making it meaningful uh no real downtime in dungeon world keep making hard moves your favorite adventure moves, question mark. So those are all like little subtopics to that class-based carousing. Next one, going down, trips into the underworld. Um, Odysseus, Dante, Doctor Strange, and Doctor Doom team up. The Black Gate, which is one of my own plunderground zines. So talking about um, games where you uh, go through hell or go to hell for a specific reason. Next one, art. Uh, working with artists, how art influences text. Helps white space and pacing of material. Line art or black and white. Uh, line art, black and white, or color? Question mark. Uh, narrative versus monumental pieces, meaning pieces that are iconic versus pieces that try to kind of tell a story. Um, okay, next, next. Here's a list of topics without little sub bits. Revolt on Antares, which was a very cool micro game that had illustrations by Errol Otis, among others. Um, that was put out by TSR back in the day, late 70s, I think, early 80s. Uh, Astro, my game about um, being a, an animal astronaut shot into space in the mid, uh, you know, mid to late uh, 20th century. Uh, experimental animals and how they contact an alien uh, orbiting in space and have an interaction and then judge Earth based on that. A little micro game I wrote. Um, reading to kids. I used to read to my kids every night. Oh, I see my car coming, so here's the rest of these. Return to Kazarak, which was going to be all about mechs. Uh, Goblin Town, an issue on that, an issue on Space Trucker, and then, of course, Rusty Swords, my other project. So that'll do it, and here's my ride. Talk to you later.
Some of you may know that Logan and I have been working on a pretty cool project called the Monster Brothers. Uh, we put out our first episode. It's a podcast. Uh, put out our first episode a couple weeks ago on Rat Folk, and the next one comes out tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, it's on Trolls. Trolls. Who doesn't like trolls? Uh, we talk about the whole spectrum of trolls. In fact, our podcast tries to go um, through a couple different zones. The first one is uh, historically, like what underpins the monster, where do they come from, what do they represent. And then we look at the breadth of how they've been imagined in popular culture and in role-playing games specifically. Then we move into doing a variant, so we each make a variant on that. Uh, so like in the Rat Folk episode, I did uh, a variant of Rat Folk based on mole rats, naked mole rats that were vampiric. And Logan did a kind of an NPC Rat King with three heads based on uh, a Rat King costume he saw in the Nutcracker once when he was a kid that kind of freaked him out. And I just, that's awesome. If you, if you go back and listen to uh, that episode, I'd recommend that you follow up with, um, there's an episode of Swordbreaker. I think it's the one on equipment where he dives into that character a little further and talks about the personality of the three heads. But at any rate, um, we're excited to be putting out more of these. And it's been a fun time just having a casual conversation with somebody, even if it's asynchronous, through a podcast. It's, it's an odd way of doing a podcast, but I hope it comes out well. I think it sounds a little bit like letter writing or, or uh, um, you know, well, what it is, voice message leaving. <laughs> I don't know. Epistolary. It's an epistolary podcast, which is a podcast in letters. I don't know. I don't know how you'd describe it really, but I kind of like the rhythm of it and I hope you do too. Looking forward to your feedback on trolls. Hey, guess where I am? I'm in my car and it's raining outside and I have just driven to work. Uh, I got my braces off today. My arms hurt like hell, but it's a good pain. I'm loving every minute of it because it's like a pain you get from working out or, you know, it's the pain you get when you're, when you're getting better. So, um, it's wonderful, wonderful to have some freedom again. Um, not that you guys care, but my wife has been amazing through all of this and she doesn't listen to this podcast. So there's really not a point to me thanking her, but I tell you, it's been um, an interesting journey to be reliant on somebody like that. Um, and you know, it really gives meaning to the word partner and all the, all the great things that she's done to support me over the last couple months and really help me get better. Um, she's my conscience. She's the one that, uh, you know, I'll take the braces off for a while and she'll be like, um, Oh, you're quitting early or, <laughs> you know, she's the one that keeps me honest, to all this stuff. Uh, she, yeah. Um, should you be lifting that? I, I was restricted to lifting a pound and she would always ask me that question. Um, one day I was, uh, drinking coffee out of a, a mug and, uh, she looked at it suspiciously and I said, no, no, it's gotta be under a pound. And she gets out the kitchen scales and weighed it. <laughs> <laughs> she weighed just about everything that I lifted. Um, God bless her. She's like, you know, I, I'm the one that's just, I'm a little reckless. I'm the, why can't I just, you know, let's, let's try. And she's the one that thinks, you know, wait a minute. All right. Think that through. Should you be doing that? That's why I have broken elbows and she doesn't, uh, but Valentine's day, right? Um, I've been married for 27 years, I think come the, this coming November 
been a long time, been a great marriage. Um, I'm, it's a, I kind of resent Valentine's day, like most people I think, because it's a made up holiday and it's kind of annoying, but you know, sometimes we need to be reminded to, uh, pay attention to our spouses and give them extra attention. And, uh, you know, I try to, most years I try to do Valentine's day a couple weeks early, you know, just to, cause it cues me to think about it. And I think, okay, I'm going to do something now. I'm going to bring flowers home now. And I'm going to, you know, write her a note now and then, and then we'll, we'll go to dinner on Valentine's day or something like that. But I'm thinking, you know, my, I'm, I'd like to make the gesture earlier, um, stay away from the day cause it feels so forced on the day. But this one's kind of special for us because I got my braces off today and, you know, so, and I want to do something nice for her just because of all the, all the nice things she's done for me over the last couple days. And so I've got some things, some things planned. Um, but I'm just happy to be, uh, I'm happy to be mobile again, even though I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not back to normal. I can't lift much weight. Um, my elbows hurt. I'm working on getting my range. I, I can now, um, get shaving cream on my neck and do the top button on my shirt without too much trouble, but it's still rough. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think maybe I said that at the top of the podcast, but uh, still trying to get all that back. But, um, you know what? I'm happy. I, I'm, it's, I feel great. And I want to kind of celebrate with this dumb little indulgent podcast. So forgive me if it's not something you're all that interested in. I don't know why you would be. Um, Let's talk about something gaming related. I picked up Delving Deeper this week. For some reason, I thought I had read that before, but it turns out that I had not. I have looked at a number of retro clones of Zero Edition or Original Edition D&D over the last year or two. Um, Swords and Wizardry, Crimson, uh, what's oh, is it Crimson things? Crimson things. Um, you know, just a I don't know. There's quite a few of them out there, um, and some of them that have flavor have been flavored up, like the War, Warriors of the Red Planet. I, I, these titles. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not very good with names. Um, and uh, they there's been some really good ones and some really odd ones. Oh, of course, I've also read the original little booklets as well, just to kind of get a comparison. Um, and I think. TSR or no TSR. <laughs> I think Wizards put out when they did their little collection of reprints, they put out kind of an all in one that um, did the first three books and it has a little cartoon of Gary on the front uh, blasting away at some goblins or something. Uh, that one's pretty good. But uh, Delving Deeper, yeah, I'm impressed. This might be one of my, this, this may be my favorite one. It comes in three little booklets, uh, one for players, one for the Game Master, and one of Monsters and Treasure. And that seems to me like a pretty good division. The players uh, one has all the spells, of course. And I think BX is still my jam. But if I were going to build a game from, well, not from scratch. If I were going to build a game on the chassis of D&D and I wanted to start with a retro clone, I think it'd be a toss-up whether I started with BX or whether I started with um, uh, Delving Deeper. Because Delving Deeper is a little bit more of a blank canvas. Uh, I think especially if I wanted to go outside of the, uh, the fantasy genre, I might uh, go with Delving Deeper instead of uh, brand, brand X, brand X, basic, basic expert, um, which my favorite iteration of that is BX essentials. Still. I like that better than labyrinth Lord by, by a small margin. And, uh, and, uh, I don't like, what is it? Basic fantasy. The one that has all the classes from AD and D and all that, that one seems a little bloated to me. Um, at that, if I were going to go that far, I probably would just switch over to Osric or the, um, 
um, the cyclopedia. What, what is that? The, oh shoot, I've got that too, but I can't think of it. I should know this off the top of my head. Um, it's the, the one that, uh, TSR put out and this is TSR back in the day where they, yes, rule cyclopedia, I think where they collected all the basic stuff into, um, into one book. But, uh, I, that's really more than I would need. Uh, and, uh, you know, it depends kind of uh, whether you look at it from the perspective of a player or a GM, perhaps. Some players like to have all that stuff. As a player, I don't really need all that stuff either. But I understand why some players want that those sort of pre-imagined pathways to explore. So, uh, you know, to each his own. But I just want to say that I really appreciate Delving Deeper. That's a that's a really nice little retro clone. It's pretty accurate to the original edition. Um how accurate? I don't know. I feel like there's a couple things that I read in there. It's all jumbled together in my mind now, but um, in reading it, I thought there was a couple things I thought, I don't think that was in the original rules. So uh, maybe somebody else can tell me. Um, Newsflash, uh, demi-human races still mostly suck. Um, Elves are great, and uh, dwarves are okay, and halflings are, why would you ever play one? Um, Other than just halflings are cool. Uh, <laughs> but the rules for them stink. And uh, I don't, you know, sometimes I think, look, if you're not, if, if all you're going to do is crap on something, don't do it. Don't just leave it out, right? And with original editions, sometimes I think, like, why don't you just leave out the demi-human races if you, you know, the, the other fantasy species, if you didn't want to do them, you know, instead of just doing them in a way that, that limits them to the point where it's, uh, you know, they're almost, they're almost unplayable. Um, but any rate, uh, it'd be easy enough to mod that. It's only one page of delving deeper anyway, where they talk about the, um, other races. And so you could easily substitute your own page for that or a couple pages for that. The booklets are, uh, right around the 32 to 42 pages each, I think. So, I, I did notice when I was reading through them that they weren't in multiples of four. Um, so I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I, it'd be pretty easy. There's some blank pages, so it'd be pretty easy to make them into a multiple of four. So I'm going to try to print them off at work as booklets today with my Create Booklet program and uh, see how that goes. But you might have to adjust them a little for that kind of thing or, or just leave some blank pages. Uh, but very cool, very cool little system, super lightweight, totally free. You don't have to pay anything for it. Um, in fact, on drive through RPG, it's not even pay what you want. It's literally free. You can't put in a dollar amount. So, uh, because I typically will not do that. Like if somebody says pay what you want, I always put in a dollar amount. Uh, usually my kind of go-to is two bucks cause that I, it's what I typically charge people for, for my zines. So I, kind of gauge whether I think they put in more work or less work than I have on, on their product. If it's, if it's the same or less, I put in two bucks and if it's more, I'll put in up to five usually, uh, depending on what it is. But this one didn't even give me the option. I would have, I definitely would have chunked down two bucks or more for these. Um, but, um, you can get them individually or you can get them as a little bundle. You know, I just go for the bundle and it looked like there was two versions. There's a version one and a version two. Um, the version one has an errata sheet. So I don't know why, I didn't pick up version one at all. I didn't see the point. I just went straight for version two. You know, adequate illustrations, uh, clean layout, good writing, uh, very clear, very clearly clearly organized. Uh, you know, so if you're interested, let me just say this. If you're interested in what Zero Edition uh, was like, but you don't want to go back and read that, 
I would still recommend you go back and read it, but uh, just to really, because I don't know that you'll actually see what it's like when you look at a cleaned up version. But if you if you wanted to try it, let me let me rephrase that. If you wanted to try zero edition D and D, if you wanted to get the play experience of it, I'd recommend delving deeper. You know, pick it up, read through it, have a run a session or two, so you can get a sense of what it was like uh, to play the games back then. Um, now, if you want a sense of what it was like to actually make sense out of the rules, read the original books and then try to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> they seem relatively complete while you're reading them and then you go to play a game and you're like, wait, how do I do this? How do I do that? And of course you mostly make it up and that's rulings, not rules, right? And that's good, but um, it's not even all that well organized and there's, you know, some weird stuff in there. So I like the retro clones a little better. Wow, am I rambling. Um, you're getting both barrels this this time and I'm not, uh, you know what? It is what it is. I'm not going to edit any of this crap. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you don't, I will not do it again. So, well, I don't know about that. Never say never. I won't do it again soon. How about that? <laughs> One last thing. Uh, Logan Howard, who does Swordbreaker, has been on fire lately. His last few episodes have been amazing, like last four or so episodes have been amazing. He did one on equipment earlier this week, and then he just did one on dwarves, which is outstanding except for the part where I ramble for like nine minutes. So I've, <laughs> I've apologized to Logan about eight times for taking over his podcast. He tossed me a question, and I just went off. Um, I actually think what I said was pretty good, but, uh, I, you know, <laughs> it's his podcast, not mine. So if you're listening, you're going, why is this guy going on forever? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was me. Just kind of a dumb, uh, I kind of lost my head there. I was excited about what I was talking about. I really, of all the issues of Plunder Grounds I've done, Kazarak is maybe my favorite. Um, I, I was talking with Logan about this in, just in general with Plunder Grounds. When I go to write an issue of Plunder Grounds, I try to always, you know, there's a thematic um, organizing principle. I usually have an idea that's that's thematic. And then I also want to have an idea that is mechanical that I add to that. Um, so in Ape City, I, I added the idea of dungeon trailers. And in Kazarak, I brought in the usage die from Black Hack. And I also talked about uh, establishing questions. In The Horde, I explored uh, doing dragons a different way thematically. But I also, what, what was in that one? Oh, I think I did uh, places as characters, the idea of writing up a place as like you would an NPC character um, or monster in Dungeon World with moves. And uh, Rock as Raiders, I talked about how to do mass combat from a player perspective or from a character perspective. Um, the Black Gate, I explored the Last Breath move in the Far Irinyes. I um, tried to bring in uh, like a spell jammer type component, but it was uh, a city crawl. Did I do anything? I don't know that I did much with the rules on that one, just to be honest. Uh, and, you know, but um, I tried to do each time I try to do a little something with the rules to to push Dungeon World the envelope a little bit further. And I was talking about I don't know how many more issues I can do that, but so far um, I haven't really run out of stuff to do. My next one's going to be a Bio Dungeon. Uh, that one's virtually written at this point. The um, and then the one after that is is. Doggone it is going to be Rusty Swords. It's going to be. I, I keep saying the next one's going to be Rusty Swords. Uh, that one is going to be number eight. I will not release another zine until I release Rusty Swords. That one's half written anyway. Uh, I just, I, I, the odd thing is, I think I care a little too much about it. So every time I get into it, I get so fiddly and fussy with it that it's hard to complete. Um, but I'll get it done. Uh, I asked Logan to help me with it too. So maybe, maybe it'll be a co uh, production. 
Uh, after that, I put up a poll on my Patreon that I think everybody can get to because it was one of the earlier weekend updates. And uh, if you're interested in a particular theme for Plundergrounds, I've got some ideas up there. Uh, the front runners right now are, oh goodness, um, I'm gonna have to go look. Hang on. The front runners are a vertical dungeon based on the tower that you see in the opening credits of Thundar the Barbarian. It looks like a bunch of stacked saucers, and I even did a little map for it and have an idea about the the mad wizard that lives at the top of that. Um, that plays on that Captain Nemo idea. I pulled out some many episodes back, <laughs> like maybe 20 episodes back of this show. And the other front runner is, oh, did I already forget it? Uh, oh, it's a, an Atlantean hex crawl. I asked Evelyn Moreau, it was one of the last things sh- uh, that she did before she kind of decided to quit illustrating for uh, OSR or fantasy zines. Um, I asked her to do me a modular hex uh, hexed out version of an Atlantic uh, Atlantis Island uh, resurfaced Atlantis and so I've got that in my back pocket and just I'm going to write up a bunch of hexes for it I think um, as a quickie zine so those are the two front runners and I've got one in there got an idea in there about dinosaurs uh, sticks and stones uh, dungeon world kind of thing I've got an idea in there about uh, return to Kazarak where I go back in time to where the dwarves were creating these giant uh, clockwork mechs to fight against demons that were coming out of the abyss. Uh, So obviously shades of Pacific Rim, but with dwarves and under the earth. (laughs) Uh, What else do I have in there? Lots of other ideas. I would love to do one. I don't know if I could pull this off, but the movie... um, La Planet Sauvage. I can't. I I can't do French very well. Um, but uh, it's a French animated film. I believe it goes under the title Fantastic Planet in English. It's a very cool and very weird animated uh, show about humans who are kept as pets by a race of giant bug-eyed uh, humanoid aliens and. Uh, I don't know if it happens on a future Earth or on another planet or whatever, but it's just super cool. Uh, there's just all kinds of weird plants and weird drawings, and it's just, I don't know. It's weird in, in the way that only French things are weird, I think. Uh, but I just love it so much, and I wanted to do uh, a zine that is, I want to call it Lords of Quasmod, I think is my title. And I, I've already illustrated what the aliens look like. I took uh, historic like vintage Victorian bat head illustrations from that you can find these out there. They're in the public domain. Um, I can't remember who the artist was, but drew these really cool black and white line art illustrations of bat heads. And I took those and I created bodies around them, uh, trying to blend the styles together. So you've got these just, I don't know. I just love the fleshy folds of the bat heads, um, because they, they look like, orchids or something right that just so there's folds and layers and smooth parts and hairy parts and um you just it's just very cool it looks like they have extra sensory organs or something sometimes and i thought that would be a cool way to do the aliens i like those faces uh i haven't gone much further than that with that one um i imagine it would be two cities at war so that would also be inspired by uh arth um Clark Ashton Smith's story, uh, what is it? The something flame. 
oh, why am I having so much trouble today? City of the Singing Flame, that's the title. And he did a return to the City of the Singing Flame, I can't, uh, a sequel to it. But um, basically, that is, uh, I did a little bit of that in, uh, a little bit of that inspired uh, the beyond the black gate because I have this central well that kind of calls people like a moth to a flame. And that's, that comes from the city of the singing flame. But in the return to the city of the singing flame, um, they realize that the characters who have gotten into this parallel universe, um, watch as two cities fight. And there's been a movie recently, uh, it was called mortal engines. I think I didn't see it, but it has this same idea of cities that can move and attack each other. And I wanted to kind of work that into it too. So that these aliens, live in these big cities that fight each other um, and then humans are caught as slaves inside you know they're the cogs inside of this machine um, other influences would be um, uh, metropolis the movie metropolis where humans are kind of cogs in the fantastic future right uh, and Oh, the Tripods Trilogy, which I mentioned earlier in this episode where um, you have aliens that have kind of taken over the earth and are terraforming it and it, keeping humans as mind slaves. So all of that could fit together into Lords of Quasmod. Obviously, that's one I'm interested in, but I don't think the idea is quite gelled yet into something I can execute. Um, but that's coming one of these days, too. Well, uh, whoo. Yeah, you know what? I feel like I have rambled enough. I'm going to put this one out there. If you like this one, let me know. I, I can't imagine all these ums and lip smackings and everything have been very good, but sometimes you just got to... Sometimes you just got to go with it, right? And just just let it go. And I'm I'm in a good mood. I'm kind of just enjoying this turn of life right now. Um, I had a weird start to 2019, but in an odd way, it has energized me. There's a there's a little poster. I hope I haven't said this before, but maybe I have. This has been a very important idea to me lately. There's a little poster on the wall of the coworker's office that says, what does this experience make possible? And it was actually kind of a joke between uh, her and her friend at work that um, they were complaining about something and her friend pasted that to her wall and they make jokes about it. So when they're going through something difficult, they'll say, what does this experience make possible? And I, you know, 2019 started out in a, in, in some ways a horrible way. I couldn't use my arms at all. Um, you know, I had to work to push up my glasses. It took me about a week and a half to be able to push up my glasses or pull up and down my sweatpants. But, um, and I think I brought that up before too. Sorry for all that imagery. You don't really need to think about that. Just forget I said it. Uh, <laughs> um, and you'd think that'd be awful, but in some ways it has lit a fire under me creatively. I've had to be better with my diet. I've had to be more conscientious about my habits of, you know, working out my arms. Um, I've had to be more understanding with other people because I need them uh, for, you know what I mean? Like it's putting them out too. I'll give you an example. You, you might think it's be fun to be fed. You see movies where, you know, uh, somebody's in their harem uh, and they're being fed grapes and fanned and everything. But let me tell you, it's not fun to have somebody feed you because you can't control the pace. You might want to take a break um, and you could say like, hey, slow down or give me a minute or whatever. But it's their time too, right? So when my wife was feeding me, I never felt like I should say like, hey, slow down, I don't want to eat so fast or whatever. I felt like I just had to get it done because it was a chore for her and I didn't want to be a pest, right? So 
it's, it's interesting to just kind of think through these things from the other perspective, from the perspective of the person helping you. And if you're grateful for that person's help, sometimes you have to accept it uh, in the way that they want to give it, right? Um, and be happy about it. Uh, as my wife would say, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. Uh, it's uh, something from her childhood, I think. <laughs> and uh, you should, we should be all happy with what we're getting, right? And especially those of us that live in um, developed areas and have a lot of just, uh, I don't know, things provided to us through taxes or, or municipal uh, you know, powers or whatever it is. We, we, uh, sometimes we get really down on everything, but we are super fortunate, super fortunate. Where was I going with all that? I had something to say. Oi. Well, there you go. Maybe this is a fitting into everything. I'm Ray Otis and you have experienced the worst plunder grounds of all. <laughs> Uh, but hey, my braces are off. Yay. Woo. Uh, and I'm almost normal again. Well, as normal as I ever get. Um, thanks to Logan for all that he does for me. Good friend. And, um, most of all, maybe the opening theme song that I love so much. So cool. And, uh, for his excellent sword breaker zine and podcast and for me and my partner on monster brothers, uh, you can find stuff that I make at www.rayotus.com, R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. I recently redid my free games page. If I haven't mentioned that before, you can go there and find all the, my free, well, some of my free, game, free games. I've still got some of them that I'm holding back that uh, I may revisit at some point. I mentioned Raishashima 3113 earlier. Um, I had a game called Unspeakable, which was uh, Cthulhu-like horror based on the Psy Run mechanic. Um, I've got, well, I've got a couple other designs. Well, of the pyramid is one of my very first games. It's, uh, you explore an underwater pyramid. You found an underwater pyramid as uh, deep sea divers who work on power plant lines and, uh, you get to explore it while your oxygen holds out and it's uses only a single D four and it fits on a postcard. So I wrote that, uh, there's just lots of little games I needed to work on and get back out there, but I have many of them out there for free. You can go find them at, uh, you know, at rayotis.com or it's really going to direct you to my blog, which is jellysaw.com. I'm thinking about doing more writing on that blog. Uh, so if you're a blog aggregator, you might, you might tag into that. And what else? I think there's only one thing left. We all know what that is. Look out for rust monsters. <laughs>